Welcome to an audio newspaper full of very unserious, partially real stories that the world needs to hear. More listening and less reading than a newspaper, but equally as sexy. This is Paper News Out Loud. Hello and good evening. I'm your host, Diane Weathersby. Hello and good morning. I'm your co-host, Florence Stromsby. Thank you for listening to Paper News Out Loud. Hey, Diane, do anything fun and exciting today? I did. I drove back from a wedding about three hours away, and then our car broke down. But we figured it out thanks to FaceTime. It was really good. Yeah, it was actually fine. And then I took about a two-hour nap, which was really the highlight of my weekend. Just being unconscious is better than any memories you could have made with your oh, friends. Oh, exactly. I made a lot of memories this weekend, but my favorite one was when I didn't. <laughs> when I made zero memories. Florence, did you do anything fun this weekend? <laughs> Who am I kidding? Let's move on. <laughs> Just kidding. I don't even want to tell you anymore. <laughs> All right. Let's dive right into the headline. Congratulations, women. March is your month. Happy Women's History Month. Did you know that all women in all of history and all their accomplishments can be summarized in just one month? One twelfth of the year is all it takes to learn about women's history. Of course, I'm being facetious. These history months were implemented to highlight and celebrate the accomplishments of these groups of people because they were receiving little to no credit before. It does create like a ready-made excuse for educators that want to make the excuses. So, um saying things like, well, we'll just save the discussion of women's contributions to space exploration until March or April when they fit with our little theme and our superficial efforts. Efforts, I think, would be better spent on rehauling curriculum and providing teachers with information and support that is culturally responsive so students are learning about diverse figures that contributed to history every damn day. I had a history teacher tell me they would include more female historical figures, but there just aren't that many. That's so true. Women only came into existence about 60 years ago with yeah. the first wave of feminism. Yeah, that's when they crawled out of the earth and actually started doing things. Before that, they just It was just men nothing. Guys. Yep. Um, so I'm going to go throw myself out the window. Or maybe my efforts would be better spent telling you about just a few of the many, many women who contributed to history, surprisingly, I don't know, maybe because they're 50% of the population. Um, But today we're going to talk about their contributions in astronomy. So the first woman I'm going to talk about is May C. Jemison, who was born in 1956. She is an American astronaut and physician who has also been to the freaking moon. In fact, she was the first African-American woman to do so in 1992. She was the first African-American woman to be admitted into NASA's space training program in 1987. Her title when working with NASA was Science Mission Specialist, and I know that I have a lot of dream jobs already, but I would just like to add this one to the list. Uh, During her 190 plus hours in space, that's a very long time to be in space. Do you think she was awake the whole time? Is that a dumb question? No. How does space work? Okay. Okay, well, we'll get to that anyway, in astrology. During, during her time in space, um, she studied the effects. So she was doing research while she was up there. She studied the effects of weightlessness and motion sickness. Um, so, like, on her co-astronauts, co-workers, and also on herself. Um, so she's, like, a hard-working genius. 
So before she became an astronaut, she graduated from Stanford with a degree in chemical engineering. She went to Cornell University Medical College. She has studied in Cuba, Kenya, and Cambodia in refugee camps in Thailand. Uh, she worked in Los Angeles, then was a medical officer for the Peace Corps, and served in Sierra Leone and Liberia for two and a half years. My gosh, like, okay, that's a lot of stuff to be doing. She's done so much. And that's just amazing. Go yeah. to space. Like, it's like, oh, did everything I could on this planet. <laughs> Gotta go find something else on the moon to do. So, after all of that, like, she's, I don't know if you were keeping track, but she has you know, medical degrees, chemical engineering, all that stuff. So after that, that's when she decided to follow her dream that she long held, and um, she applied to NASA's astronaut training program. To give you a little context, out of 2,000 applicants, she was one of 15 people that got in. Uh, Then, of course, she went to the moon and did amazing work for NASA. And then in 1993, she left the astronaut corps and went to teach at Dartmouth, and also established the Jemison Group, which is a research company. Uh, she has received numerous honors and honorary doctorates, like a very long list. Um, I'm just going to pick some out here. She's got several honorary doctorates. She's um, received several awards. Uh, let's see. She was named Gamma Sigma Gamma Woman of the Year in 1990, so that's before she did any of her space stuff. Um, any of that space stuff? You, yeah, know? Yeah, you know, just that, the, the space things that she did. The brief 120 hours, when she, or 190 <laughs> hours when she was off of the planet. Right? Um, and then she has some schools that were named after her. She served on the board of directors of the World Sickle Cell Foundation from 1990 to 1992. Yeah, she's just, she's done so much. So she's clearly an incredible woman. Mm-hmm. Um, you can say that again. Yeah, for real. And she's still alive. Clearly, she's an incredible woman. There, I said it. Okay, the next woman I would like to talk about is Marie Paris Pishmish, which I'm pretty sure that's how you say it. I looked it up. She was an Armenian-Mexican astronomer. She was born in 1911, uh, raised in Constantinople, and um, was one of the first women to graduate from Istanbul University in 1933. And then she went on to earn her doctoral degree from Istanbul University while teaching, and she completed that in 1937. She worked at Harvard for several years, and that's where she met her husband, Felix Rosillas, and they moved to Mexico, where she became an astronomer at the Tacubaya Observatory, and taught at the National Autonomous University of Mexico in Mexico City for 50 years. Like, she devoted her life to education and making sure that um, the people in Mexico got, like, into astronomy and had access to it. Because there wasn't going on, or there wasn't a lot going on in the field of astronomy when she first moved to Mexico. Um, And she, like, really worked hard to get that going. She, like, tried to get the latest technology to help with her research and to teach her students. She wrote over 120 scientific articles about astrophysics and her studies of the galaxies. She has 22 stellar clusters named after her. She founded an astrophysics program in 1955 that continues on today, and she spent much of her life participating in research and embarking on research trips. Like, she went all over the place to do research. 22 stellar clusters? That is, like, 
crazy. I mean, I but, guess I don't know how many stellar clusters there are out in there in the world. I mean, probably infinity. But it's, that's so awesome. <laughs> yeah, and I I kind of want to like know what their names and how they're varied mm-hmm. and stuff. But yeah, I, that's so cool. Um, Just like one for each letter of her full name. Yeah. <laughs> then together they line up and it spells her name. Yeah. yeah. So I think that's. I mean, to be the first woman to graduate from a university Mm -hmm. and that was in 1933 like that's less than a hundred years ago which I think um there's a lot of like context there too where we don't realize that a lot of this groundbreaking work has happened very recently like within you know our parents or grandparents lifetimes Mm -hmm. and some of them within our lifetimes um let's see okay so the last woman I'd like to talk about is Caroline Lucretia Herschel so her last name was familiar to me because I watched the Cosmos series on Netflix with Neil deGrasse Tyson, and he talks about William Herschel, um, which is her brother. And I can't, I really actually can't remember if he talked about Caroline or not. I'd have to go back and watch it again. Um, but she was born in Germany in 1750 and assisted William in the late 1700s with observations and moved on to become an astronomer in her own right. She was expected to be the housekeeper for him until William got married and his wife took over those duties. Logically. (laughs) Right. So she, her story is that she, I think she was unmarried. Mm -hmm. Her, I don't think, I don't know if she ever got married. Um, But she was sent like by her family or whatever to be his assistant. So she assisted him with his astronomy work and then also did like all the housework for him. And then once, um... He got married she had more time to devote to mm-hmm. doing her own like astronomy research yeah um so she discovered um 14 new nebulae including ngc 205 which is a companion to the andromeda galaxy which is apparently important because it was mentioned in her biography and i looked it up and i think that means it's like a satellite galaxy of Andromeda. Mm-hmm. That's the um, galaxy they go to in Mass Effect. There the we new, go. The re- Mass Effect Andromeda. Andromeda. That makes sense. <laughs> she, obviously, she had a big impact on the creation of that game. That's, no, that's pretty cool. Uh, well, she, I mean, she discovered it, so it couldn't have been included in there if it hadn't <laughs> been discovered. Um, she was also the first woman to discover a comet and the first woman to get paid for scientific services. She found eight comets, received the gold medal of the Royal Ast- Astronomical Society, and an honorary membership into the Royal Society. She was an honorary member because women weren't allowed to be full fellows at that time. She continued her work after William died, um, and she actually lived, I think it was quite a bit longer than him, like, I want to say 20 or 30 years, Mm -hmm. but I can't exactly remember, so don't... Don't take my word on that one. Um, But anyway, so she continued her work after he died, and that was when she received some of her awards and she continued the cataloging nebulae. So several of her comets are named after her that she discovered. A lunar crater, oh my gosh. A lunar crater is named C. Herschel and there's an asteroid named Lucretia. Um, so what was interesting to me is that if you listen to the entirety of the Adventure Zone, Florence, there's also a character in the Adventure Zone named Lucretia. And I'm wondering if that's where Griffin, my dungeon master, my best friend, got the name, or if it was like something else, or if it's just a you know cool coincidence. Yeah. But I thought that was really interesting, like that she was a big, because the character Lucretia, 
I mean, it's not really a spoiler, in the Adventure Zone, there's... Is she a she's, comet? She's very smart. Anyway. Mm -hmm. Anyway, of course. <laughs> yeah, she's a comet. <laughs> Things got really weird in that podcast. <laughs> the, the one with the comet. But yeah, so she... And that's um, kind of a thing, too, about why women's contributions in history are often like not realized or not talked about because a lot of her work was just put under her um, brother's name. Mm -hmm. So he get, got a lot of credit and she didn't get, I mean, the fact that um, she had to be an honorary member of the society because women just weren't allowed to be full members. So that's like a big part of it too. It's like, I just don't get that logic. Like, yeah. if you're going to make someone an honorary member, why not just make them a full right. member? What are you waiting exactly. for? And there's been a lot of things that I've read that are, like, um, like men who have written... Like there are some men who've written books, and then they'll be like, well, I have to thank my wife for typing up the manuscript and all that kind of stuff. Or, like, filmmakers who have... Um, like, the women used to do the editing of the films, and... Mm -hmm which obviously editing plays a big role in how the film, you know, the message of the film. So mm -hmm. the movie going experience. Right, without getting credit for it. So anyway, so I thought, and those are just, I mean, three of so many women that contributed to, you know, astronomy and scientific fields and things like that. So just strong women, you know, kicking ass and naming stars and exactly. all that good stuff. <laughs> Well, very cool. Happy Women's Day. Yeah, and it was International Women's Day, and it was really cool to, um, I mean, go on Facebook, go on Twitter, and there was so much support and people, mm -hmm. like... I felt empowered as shit. Yeah, it was really yeah. great. Like, the visibility and stuff, and yeah, making sure things are intersectional. So aside from International Women's Day and Women's Month and all that good stuff, I have more good news. Last week's Planet Parade was a success. Saturn, Mars, and Jupiter showed up in solidarity to celebrate Women's History Month. So the Planet Parade is when Saturn, Mars, and Jupiter appear in a line in the sky, and the moon stops to visit with each of them over the four nights. So the first night it looks like it, I think it looks like it's over Saturn, and, and then each night after that it kind of looks like it's in a different spot. I hate that I have to ask this. Is this a real thing? Yes, the Planet Parade is a real, like, it's, it really is when these three planets look like they're at a line in the sky, and then each night the moon's in a different spot over them. Okay, that makes sense. Yes. I thought this was a goof, but... <laughs> well, we'll get to the goofs. So, while the moon is hovering over each of these, it, the moon's not only catching up with these three planets, but also inspecting and judging their parade floats. The exact criteria for how the moon determines the best float is shrouded in mystery, but looking at past winning floats, we can determine with near certainty that at least one factor of the judging is just showing up. So here are some highlights from last week's Planet Parade. I'm ready. I've got my candy bag good to go. A staple for celebrating. For parades. <laughs> for parades. <laughs> So, Saturn impressed everyone with its confetti cannons that blasted confetti all the way to Earth's atmosphere, showering the planet in a miniature meteor shower. 
The bad news is that the confetti was made of a material that when it burns up in our atmosphere, it gives off a toxic gas to humans, but the good news is the thousands hospitalized are expected to make a full recovery with only a small percentage developing superpowers and an even smaller percentage of those people learning how to use them. So Mars. Mars went bold this year by going subtle. Over the course of the night, Mars oscillated between shades of red while sending out a corresponding sound wave with every color change. The effect wasn't quite as captivating as Mars had hoped. Humans went to bed wondering why they were all humming Wonderwall and didn't associate it with Mars whatsoever. The red planet didn't seem all that bothered and said that sometimes art isn't appreciated until years later and that it's got nothing but time. Mars didn't reveal how it executed this display, but a cursory look at any magic user's Fitbit sleep history shows that they were all awake for the duration of Mars's showing. Whether they aided Mars willingly or if they were victims of a compulsion, we'll never know. What Mars lacked in flash, Jupiter made up in bang. The gas giant set off a series of explosions by goading its more unstable gases. The explosions took place within its gassy layers to rock the planet and set off a massive fireworks display. The planet then played every national anthem of all the countries on Earth concurrently. It was a cacophony of patriotism, which made it impossible to discern any of the words, but somehow the music all came together in one beautiful piece that moved many to tears. Jupiter would not comment on whether or not it was making a statement on global politics by the national anthem remix, but the author of Planets and Symbolism, What We Know About Solar System Politics said, after a prolonged moment of uncontrollable sobbing as a result of the beauty of the display, told us she believed that Jupiter wants us to come together and put our differences aside. A beautiful sentiment, but will that be enough to move Earthlings toward peace? Only time will tell. Florence, did you get out to see the planetary parade? Of course I did. It's a national holiday in the great country of Idaho, so I traveled to my favorite potato-based state to really get out there and enjoy the spectacle. I even caught a t-shirt that Mars fired out of a t-shirt cannon, but it was planet-sized, so it's a little too big for me, and now covers Idaho in a permanent state of darkness. None of the potatoes will survive, but at least the country looks pretty cool in its planet parade swag. Idaho, get at us and let us know how that's going, living under a t-shirt. Um, Florence, what display do you think was most impressive? See, I'm a big Jupiter girl personally. Who doesn't love a gigantic explosion from a gigantic planet? That's the way to celebrate a parade. Explosions. My only qualm about the parade was the lack of candy that was thrown at the spectators. I did not get any planet-sized Tootsie Rolls, which would have definitely improved the entire experience for me and possibly even killed me because I'd imagine the human body is not supposed to consume that much Tootsie Roll in one sitting. Did you have a personal favorite? I want to go back to the Tootsie Roll. Are you incapable of eating some of it and then going back to it later? Or would you have to eat the whole thing at once? I have to unhinge like some sort of horrific mm -hmm. snake human and engulf the whole thing in my stomach in one. Are you kind of like a dog or a cat where if there's food in front of you, you'll just eat it? Like whether you're full or not? Yes. Okay. <laughs> to all of the above. <laughs> my personal favorite was Mars because I appreciated the subtlety of the effort mm -hmm. and the... The good throwback tunes. <laughs> the good throwback tunes. 
and the collaboration between magic users on planet Earth and Mars. Although, I wonder if that, if the moon is going to be upset with the interference or not. I guess we'll just have to see what the moon says when it lets us know who the winner of the planetary parade is in about three to seven decades. In the meantime, tweet us to tell us who you thought was the winner and what you would like to see at the next one. Stay tuned for the latest. Today, I popped open my deodorant to freshen up before, as the humans call it, grinding at the gym. Instead of my delicious shower fresh scented white paste, there was instead a scroll rolled up and sealed with the wax crest of some great and foreign nation. I unraveled it and read, Dear Florence and Diane, I put this scroll in every single tube of Secrets Women's Deodorant that I could find. Hopefully this one finds its way to you. I need help. I am one very foul smelling critter. People avoid sitting by me on the bus, and the only friends I can accumulate are the flies that buzz around me. How can I go all day and still smell fresh? Thanks for the help. Just a pig out of luck. Well, just a pig, I have some questions for you before we get started. Um, the first being, are you an actual pig? If so, I think these tips that we have will help you out regardless, but more so if you are a human with opposable thumbs, a pig with hooves, question mark, hooves, might have um, a little bit of a hard time executing some of these tips. Regardless, we reached out to WikiHow to help us help you. Number one, admit that you stink. Sometimes this can be difficult to do, especially if you are embarrassed that you smell like a nasty dumpster fire. If you're unsure about whether or not you're a stinky human, go consult some sort of religious figure. Corner them in close quarters. Stand uncomfortably close to them. Breathe only out of your mouth. They will have to be truthful because they cannot lie in front of their deities, and then you'll get a confirmed you stink report from another human being. If your religious figure is a human being. <laughs> I get that's accurate. Maybe the overlord cat might not be honest with you because he's a cat and an asshole. Maybe it'll just scratch its his own nose off, probably, and that'll tell you that you stink. Well glaring at you. <laughs> or scratch your nose. <laughs> Number two. Maintain personal hygiene. Now, you know you stink. You know you're a little bit icky. The next step is maintenance. In order to stay not stinky, it's key that you practice these tips every day, unless it's a leap year than every other day, because people's smellers are always off during a leap year. It's accurate. Shower and bathe every day. This gets rid of odors that can build up on your hair and skin. If you don't have a conventional bath or shower on hand, you can always try rolling in sand every day or bathing beneath a natural waterfall. Both work just fine. While showering, make sure you scrub your body. You can use a sponge, loofah, washcloth, cacti, sharpened potato, or a stack of unpaid bills. Just get all your cracks and crevices. <laughs> all your cracks and crevices. Wash your hair regularly. That's assuming you have hair. I think pigs might just have bristles. Wash those bristles like nobody's business, just a pig, because they can get stinky too. As any dentist will tell you, it's important to brush those mouth bones to avoid odor. Again, as all dentists recommend, you should brush your teeth 4,000 times a day. Or even better, live your life in a perpetual state of teeth brushing, only stopping to rest and eat. The only way to guarantee that you will have minty fresh breath all day is to brush them chompers 
basically if you take this route, you will have to completely give up orange juice. Because there will never be a time where you can enjoy it. A good sacrifice. Can you, set up a, can you set up a machine that continually brushes your teeth at night? Because that's when a lot of your plaque like mm-hmm. forms and hardens. Probably. I'm not a dentist. But then you're like avoiding a big, huge part of the problem if you have yeah. something brushing your teeth. Could you hire little fairies to brush your teeth? Yeah. These are just some ideas, some things you can it's think good. about. Like maybe find a dental hygienist who's down on their luck and they just mm-hmm. can't find a job and just pay him to brush your teeth. They know how to do it. And it might be like soothing and relaxing. And you might find that after several nights, you can't fall asleep unless someone else is brushing your teeth. That's how you know that you've reached pure cleanliness. Cleanliness? That's like cleanliness nirvana. Cleanliness is godliness. You'll become a god. (laughs) Exactly. And it all starts with the teeth bones. The sweet mouth bones. The exposed bone in your mouth. Okay, apply deodorant regularly. I know you know where the deodorant aisle is because you managed to sneak this cry for help into my deodorant. Go buy some deodorant and lather it onto your pits. That's right, even the mud pit you have in your backyard. Go and put deodorant on it to make sure even your surroundings are smelling fresh. You could also employ a similar strategy for deodorant and just continually put it on and then hire someone to continually put it on you while you're sleeping. It could be very sensual. It could be if you like armpit stuff. Who doesn't like a good armpit massage? Massage. Okay, now you've got kind of the basics of being cleaned down, but you have to be um, aware that there are other odor triggers out there in the world that'll make you smell like death. Um, Smells can come from more than just your person. Other items that come into contact with your person should also be cleaned frequently to stay fresh. For example, your clothes. Change into clean clothes every day and wash the worn ones to keep them clean and fresh. Another example is I use my computer keyboard every day at work and I touch it with my human hands. Yuck. I change my keyboard daily, just tossing the used one in the washer to freshen up. My cubicle always smells great. Can you also um, rub deodorant on your walls too? Yes, I would highly recommend that. Mm -hmm. Um, Just kind of avoids that nasty wall rot that can set in after a while because mm. that'll smell bad and if you have white walls and you get white deodorant it kind of just blends in it's, it's like you're applying drywall and you can do like stripes of different scents mm-hmm. to like so it's kind of like a smell journey whenever you walk past the wall aromatherapy at its finest mm-hmm, mm-hmm. put essential oils in your ears don't do that don't do that <laughs> you might you might lose your hearing but you'll smell good even your ears will smell good Also, wash your clothes. You can use a conventional laundry soap for this, or you can make your own. DIY on, friends. Try a mixture of fresh lavender that you blend in a blender until it's nothing more than a liquidy pulp, two gallons of white milk, crumpled up obituaries, and three tablespoons of grated bar soap. Mix all this together for an excellent smelling laundry soap that you can use again and again. You could also use it as a cleanse. Like, drink that every day for seven days, and your sweat will smell like lavender milk. As will the explosive diarrhea just shooting out of that bottle. <laughs> That's why it's called a cleanse. <laughs> okay, don't be afraid of scents. This can include things like scented lotions or body sprays, or even scented contact lenses, mouth guards, or ankle bracelets. Just lather on as much scent as you can until humans can only see you as a foggy haze of fresh smell. 
kind of like um, pig pen in Charlie Brown, oh except gosh. it's a good smell. The op- be the opposite of pig pen. <laughs> okay, avoid stinky foods. Sure, I love a garlic, onion, anchovy wrap for lunch as much as the next podcaster, but let's be honest with ourselves. That can make your mouth smell like an actual dumpster fire. Transform your diet so it has no smell, just to be sure you're not catching a case of the bad breaths. For lunch, instead of your normal fragrant wrap, try some rice cakes and a tall glass of water. Lastly, just freshen up throughout the day. Nobody's perfect, and even if you follow the the tips above to the T, you might still have some unpleasant body odor throughout the day. That's why you should always be ready to jump into action with an emergency bad smell duffel bag that you can carry with you everywhere. What should this bag of wonderful smells contain, you ask? Here's a list to get you started. So you'll want to have three changes of clothes, gum, mints, and mouthwash, wet wipes for when there isn't a shower or sand to freshen up in, deodorant, cologne, or perfume, foot spray for when your toes smell rank, a smoke bomb, but instead of smoke, it lets out a lot of cologne, Axe body spray. Just throw a can of Axe body spray on the Everyone <laughs> loves the smell of that overpowering them. <laughs> um, scented lotion car air fresheners to tuck into your armpits in stressful situations, a hedgehog friend to use as a distraction if someone starts to sniff a little bit too much around you, provide the hedgehog with props, outfits, and hats to really step up his um, distraction game. Pack clothespins to plug other people's noses just in case like you had to go for a run unexpectedly or you're really nervous and sweating. Then you can plug other people's noses with clothespins as a... Um, protective measure. It's a good call. Um, Fresh flowers. Buy fresh flowers every day. If the flowers start to wilt, symbolically burn them and rub yourself down with the ashes. And 1,000 scented candles to freshen up whatever room you're in. With all of this, packing with you, you'll be a good smelling piggo. Follow these directions and people will no longer think that you're just a stinky pig. They'll see through your foul smells and know your kind heart. Hopefully. At the very least, they'll sit by you on the bus. Diane, can you bring us into the motivation station? Choo-choo! There are times on this planet that, for some reason, you have to do things you don't want to do. Ugh. I know, right? Whether it's for your job. This um, podcast. This podcast. A social or family commitment. This podcast. Or chores around the house. Sometimes you just have to suck it up and get it done. How do you motivate yourself to do these undesirable tasks? This podcast. (laughs) My absolute favorite thing to do when I have to do something is groan really loudly and exclaim, I don't want to. Then my second favorite thing to do is literally anything else. I carefully plan my activities so while procrastinating on doing one thing, I can do something else. I don't want to scrub the floor. Okay, I'll do the dishes. Oh, wait. I don't want to do that. All right, I'll clean the bathroom. I get sick of all of these things very quickly, so I only spend about two minutes on each at a time before I move on to something else. But I come back to it eventually, so it'll all get done within a decade or so. I do have the problem where I will lay on the couch and watch Netflix for solid hours at a time, and I haven't quite figured out how to prevent that yet. Florence, how do you do things you don't want to do? I just don't do that. No, just kidding. It would take an actual army to get me to do something that I don't want to do. So that's what I did. I hired a small army of seven mercenary soldiers 
from the mountains of some undiscovered country to follow me around and prod at my back with long hand-carved spears in order to force me to do something that I don't want to do. Now, whenever I have to do the dishes or walk over the fax machine, I have the strength of seven barbarian humans forcing me to do all the things that I don't want to. It's very effective, and in turn, I am never lonely and have seven new friends. Christmas is a little more expensive, but I would recommend this to anyone. <laughs> a lot more birthdays to remember. Yeah, that's true. Mm -hmm. Whatever gets you to do these sometimes hard to do things, you can get through them. Then you can reward yourself by drinking a ton of wine because you earned it, damn it. Wine is no longer even a reward for me anymore. It's just part of my diet now, basically. <laughs> Your day-to-day -day existence fueled yeah. by wine and coffee. It's accurate. Today, I temporarily lost consciousness for 12 minutes. During that time, a dream fairy visited me and we played checkers until I awoke. That's a telltale sign that the podcast is coming to an end. Thank you for taking the time out of your day to listen to what we had to say. If you like what you heard, subscribe to Paper News Out Loud for more great episodes. Coming at ya. If you like what you heard a lot, leave us a review on iTunes saying what you liked. Please include the last time and date you went to the dentist. They've been asking us for that information for weeks now. If you're in love with what you heard, vote Florence and Diane as America's next top model. One. Tyra Banks, please listen to this podcast. <laughs> One singular model. Please rate and subscribe on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. We rely on word of mouth, so if you like us, please tell someone. Thank you so much for listening. I want to thank Puffcorn for being so dang delicious. I also want to thank Jake Harrison for allowing us to use his track titled 5 off of his album Found on SoundCloud. Thanks, Jake. You can find his music through the link or by searching at this. Dear listeners, we are looking to showcase community art in our segment named Community Art. You can submit short poems or visual art to us through email at alternaterealityproductions at gmail.com. Or you can just email us to say hi. Send us some cat videos. Send me a BuzzFeed quiz. I need more distractions at work. Tweet us at realityoutloud. Use the hashtag thinkweirderthoughts. And then actually begin to think weirder thoughts. Share with your friends. We hope you learned a thing and made a laugh. There was one sentence that you had that um, I'm glad I didn't read it because I would have intonated it completely wrong. DIY on friends. I would have said DIY on friends. <laughs> <laughs> DIY on your friends. <laughs> Do it your friends. Do your friends. Do it your own friends. Make your own friends. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>